Welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you. What keeps you up at night? Welcome back to the Think Factory podcast. And we're recording live from the Printing United Expo in Atlanta. What's nice about having your own podcast, I guess, is the ability to sit with friends and uh, talk about what they do and all the interesting things that uh, is part of their business. So I'm really privileged to be uh, here today with Lois Rita Rossi, who's the president of High Rock Strategies. Good morning. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invitation. Of course. So what's great about Printing United is not only all the manufacturers and all the customers, but folks like you that are really subject matter experts in all kinds of things related to print and beyond. So I'd love to have you just uh, share High Rock Strategies and what you do for your, your clients. Great. Thank you. So... Um, I uh, have been on the consulting side for 18 years, and I love what I do because I get the opportunity to work with owners of companies, large service providers in printing and mailing, some large brands in implants and banking and insurance and the utility sector, helping them with sales and marketing, helping them with operational optimization, um, and helping them with inkjet adoption. And the most interesting thing I've seen is they did a lot of things to survive and get through the pandemic. Some of them had some great opportunities for revenue for a variety of reasons, especially the commercial printers. And what got them to here in 2023 is not what is going to get them to 2025 and beyond. So uh, I've, I've done, a, done some research and I'm working with several clients on strategic planning and it's spe- specifically around sales team motivation and sales enablement. And what does that look like if you have a team of tenured salespeople that have been selling direct for most of their lives and all of a sudden those buyers are not in their offices anymore and younger people are coming in who don't really know much about print but of course they're challenged with you know being in marketing roles and having to do things a different way. So um, so when I look owners in the face I'm like they're like well, well we just want our sales team to be more effective and I'm like that's great. That's a great goal. Don't we all? Don't we all, right? Uh, it's the universal goal here. And um, But what's it going to take? And then I normally do an assessment and they say, well, we have challenges in all these areas. And it's very funny because, I mean, I have done this kind of assessment with companies in Europe and South America and Mexico and Canada, obviously many here in the U.S., and I often find levels of dysfunction that make it difficult for the salespeople to be fully committed. Um, and so when I talk about sales team motivation to owners and to people who are in sales management or leaders who didn't come up the ranks through sales and now they're like, well, my sales team's not doing this, my sales team's not doing that. And I, you know, it's hard for them to comprehend. I'm like, but sales motivation is individual. What's going to motivate Chris is different than what's going to motivate Lois. And, you know, there's lots of great books out there. And there's certainly some things that we can replicate. But until you build that culture of trust, where you have the right to be a coach to a salesperson, whether you're the owner of the company or you're a sales leader. So often I find they haven't created enough culture and they haven't created an ability to interact with people as to understand what's important to them. Is it money? Is it their family? Is it their lifestyle? Is it their acknowledgement within their community? And those things change from when you're 20s and 30s to your 40s and 50s and beyond. Well, to unpack that a little bit, you know, when you walk around a show like this and you're just awed by the equipment and the technology and it almost, you almost think it sells itself. But what you're doing is creating a system that works after the show or even before the show to create those relationships. Because at the end of the day, 
somebody who's going to invest in a particular piece of equipment or somebody who's going to sell a service has to have a relationship with the buyer. Absolutely, and, and the buyers are changing. So it, it, there's a lot, been a lot of great research in the last two years on what's changed in B2B trends. So if you're selling to another business, um, you know, they are younger. They grew up with Google in their pocket, um, whether they're millennials and or, and or Zers or, you know, Gen Xers who's, who, you know, are just smart. Um, thank God there's some of those. Mm. And um, the reality is buyers can do so much more re research on their own and get a sense of things and they engage salespeople much later unless there really is a strategic partnership. So for salespeople that have been used to, you know, long-standing relationships and then procurement steps in and we're going to do this differently or younger people come in or there's just less loyalty to really good suppliers and vendors. And for talented salespeople, it's personal. Like I've been working with you 10, 15 years and then somebody says, well, procurement says I have to do this and I have to go with the lowest bidder. And um, so to, to see that B2B trends and less loyalty, sales engagement later, it just makes it different for people who are accustomed to managing relationships and providing value. So now, how do they work the top of their funnel? How do they build relationships and how do they do it differently? And I, when I see success, it's that they're the leader, there's really a vision. The salespeople all know where the company's going. The operational managers all know where the company is going. And often that's a big missing. Well, when you manage a, a sales force according to a quarterly forecast or a quarterly goal, it seems to me that you're, you're managing too much in the short term and not so much in the long term so that, you know, that you're not able to even demonstrate the value of your product or your service because you're so worried about closing the sale by the end of the quarter to, to get a, a spiff or make your commission numbers. And if you don't take that long-term view, then you lose that whole you know, tr culture of trust and culture of value that you talk about. Well, and often when I see you know, salespeople um, that are selling commercial print or in, in, in services, they say the same thing, they get caught up and they just go to, okay, well, what project can we do this week or this month? And you know, what kind of paper do you like? And you know, how many pieces of mail? And, and they forget to step back and ask those detailed questions. What are your corporate goals? What's changing for 2024? What do you need to do differently for acquisition, retention, win back, um, new product launches? Things like that that are more about their business and what's going on with executives and leadership roles in, in, different, in different areas of those businesses rather than I can help you get something done fast and we can do it better and we've got great quality. And whether it's the large equipment manufacturers which are here with all kinds of great equipment or the salespeople selling print and mail services, there's, um, yeah, there is pressure to move to a project quickly and they really need some perspective to build longer term views of understanding their customers' goals, challenges, and needs and where they can fit in with, with uh, services that make a difference. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, the, the, well it's not almost like, it is the first step to not even talk about selling when you first meet these customers or potential customers and, and to your point talk about what's your goal this year next year five years and how what are you looking for and what do you perceive as value and then you know injecting injecting some of that value discussion without ever talking about selling a piece of equipment or selling a piece of paper yep. is really the way you pave it no? and as important as that is for customers it's just as important for internal employees so I you know, was recently at a successful 75-year-old company. The, the owners have made huge investments in, in technology and software and finishing. 
really smart investments and acquired some good companies along the way. And there's still a level of people in the company who do not know the capabilities of everything they can do. Because they're, they're, they're really busy in the day to day of getting jobs out the door, responding to customer needs, and um, some, some less than ideal decisions were made because of just lack of communication and lack of comprehension. So when I talk to them about sales enablement, it's like making sure um, that this great book, Traction, like how to manage your business, do you have the right people in the right seats? And uh, the author's name is escaping me at the moment, but it really lays down an entrepreneurial approach to running your company effectively. When I speak about building upon kind of those, those theories and approaches, it's like sales enablement means everyone in the company knows what we do, why we do it well, and the value that our sales team and our collective production teams bring to customers' needs around acquisition and retention, new product development, expanding into new markets, opening up new locations, whatever are those true business challenges and truly understanding. It's not that we're printing this thing with these specifications, it's that this thing that we've produced is going to allow our customers to meet their business goals. Correct, and just beyond, just beyond uh, the point of worrying about closing that deal, right? It, it's about, to your point about traction, that's the entrepreneurial operating system, right? Love that book. It's, you know what, it, one of the many things that it, that it tells you is that that communication is key, and it, communication really involves staying in touch with each other on a, on a weekly basis, at least, right? Where people can understand, you know, what are the issues, what are the, you know, what are the issues that need to be cured? Um, and it's, it's all about, and maybe this is where it all comes together. It's all about reaching your long-term goals, but your long-term goals got to have goals have to be consistent with your customers as well. A absolutely, yeah. the company has to have a clear vision and path, and leaders. And they sometimes they think, well, we did this plan, Lois, and we told everyone we had one company meeting. And I'm like, and how much do you think they retained three or four months later? So it's like it's the ongoing communication <laughs> that's needed for internal alignment and for sales team to salespeople to feel empowered. Like, we have these great new capabilities, how can I provide value to my customers? And, well, and giving them the tools, really, to avoid going back to the old ways. So if you got a new piece of software, figure out how to use it, or a, a new CRM, figure out how to use it, rather than doing a runner, or sort of a backdoor into the old things you used to do and ignore the new stuff. You're so on point, when, and I've done a lot of sales training over the years, and, and speaking about sales enablement, and the difference between good salespeople and great salespeople, one distinguishing factor is they know how to use technology for themselves. So companies have Salesforce and HubSpot and MailChimp and hundreds of other great CRM systems that are out there. But I said, well, salespeople are the worst at data entry. They loathe it, they're bad at it. So how can we make the CRM work for the company? And how can we make the tools work for the sales team? So having clear metrics, having technology that's flexible, and all of those tools I mentioned can be customized to work for Lois as a salesperson operates one way and Mike as a sales guy operates a different way. But we can use the same tool and use it effectively. So the management team has vision, and I, I tell salespeople who are reluctant to use CRM and use technology, it can be your frontal lobe. It can remember all the stuff that you don't have to remember anymore, so you can go have value-added conversations with decision makers and know what college team, what professional sports team, what their wife likes, where their kids are going to college, what kind of dog they have, what kind of preferred beverage. Like all this stuff that is naturally for great salespeople to build and rapport, 
I said, put those as notes in your CRM, and if you have customers and prospects you don't speak to weekly or quarterly or monthly, um, use the CRM to remind you to build rapport again and establish it quickly and then next time so then you can talk about their business. It's disarming, quite frankly, to a client or a customer when you're giving them a call just says, uh, hey, I just saw this uh, new movie release that I thought you'd love or I saw this article that has nothing to do with your business or it has nothing to do with our equipment that I thought you'd be interested in. And, and it, it, I don't know, it just checks that box. So to your point, using data in a way that takes it off your brain but requires you to to stay focused and stay on the train. Um, it, I think if, it, it, if you use it the right way, it frees you up to do more, you know, more important tasks or more material things in how you sell. Well, and, and the other thing that we've obviously seen in the, in the move to hybrid and work from home and wherever people are in their, in their personal journeys and their company journeys about where they work and, and what constitutes a way that you're going to engage with, with internal customers and prospects, virtual meetings are here to stay forever. You know, I'm not traveling as much as I used to. I suspect you're not because not. we can have a Teams or a Zoom or, you know, we have great technology. But more importantly is being respectful of the person that you're asking for their time and being prepared. And and a virtual meeting is different than face-to-face, -face, is different than an email. And, and I do see sometimes um, a lack of putting in the, the time to make sure these are my three message points, here's the agenda, here's where we're going to invite this extra person or two, and making it valuable for the people that you're asking of their time because, well, what do we have? It's the most valuable commodity we have is our time and um, making it work for those customers. And it's about building those layers of a relationship within a client too, right? It's, it, it's easy to bring a dozen donuts to the press guy um, and they're important people, trust me, you don't get you don't get jobs out the door without the press guy. But if you can do more than that, you know, take the extra effort to get up in the organization and talk about value in a more broad way at the company, uh, I think that's super valuable. But that, and that's really the enablement that you're talking about, I think. Absolutely, and then I, often, you know, companies that have good marketing leaders, you know, create great content and they're like, oh, salespeople just ignore it or nobody reads it or, and, and I and I have to laugh because I, I you hear the same story, no matter what size company and, you know, it's either sales against marketing, it's marketing against production, it's production against, there's always like this wall that somebody's throwing fireballs over, right? And uh, the opportunity for team is that estimating knows what they're doing is valuable and, and how it's valuable for the salesperson uh, production coordinators know what's valuable, production, people on the production floor. So it's we're not just printing stuff, we're not just putting mail in, in, into the USPS, we're doing something else that serves a higher purpose. And when people have clarity about that, there's alignment, there's, there's more joy in their work, there's a, a better sense of collaboration, and then it, it, people trust and know that they can come up with creative ideas. I mean, I've seen creative ideas come from a warehouse person, somebody in finishing, someone in bindery, that everyone went like, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. You know, when everyone feels like we're doing something much more important than just printing and mailing stuff. And that creates that energy I think you want, right? Yes. And it creates that circular effect of the energy between marketing and production and finance and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other things that you see, you know, top of mind when it comes to sales enablement that people could take away? Um, the, the possibility of collaboration lives in salespeople also valuing the internal roles. 
they, they, you know, dumping and running has been a traditional sales way of getting stuff done in the B2B and certainly in, in the manufacturing world around What's well, that fright factor? You're, you're afraid to have the conversation, so I'll just run in, dump my materials on my card, and hope they call me, right? Right, and, and when I see what is different is when salespeople take the time to understand, again, the value of estimating customer service, leadership, use production managers or this customer this is more important to them it's color or it's the paper or it's the cutting and finishing or it's the getting them samples first or you know like there's still humans in the end and when when there is really good vision and alignment and salespeople act in a way that they value team members and there really is that sense of we're all in this together and everyone's job is important so, you know, salespeople often get, you know, a lot of credit, which they do a lot of hard stuff, but production people as well. And when I see the sense of team and collaboration and we pull, we break down the walls and there's just a lever, level of mutual respect and trust, those are the companies that are succeeding. Those are the companies that are truly making the difference and building those long-term sticky relationships with their customers as the, well, we do business with this company and they provide this, this, and this, and it makes a difference for us as the customer. Well, those things, when you talk about enablement, it's also the empowerment to give people something to boost their confidence. Because it ain't easy doing a cold call, that's for sure. But if you can empower them with that value discussion or just, hey, Lois, I know you're the CEO of this, uh, th this company. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm just here to shake your hand and talk to you about what's going on in the market or uh, what are you seeing, uh, just having a chat. And that's what people really want to do and then you're top of mind later, or at least you've opened the door just enough to sit, to, to have that bilateral flow or that bilateral conversation. Absolutely, and you know, so as the consultant I it say- It seems so smart when everybody says, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I often, you know, when I'm talking to prospects or, or, or customers, and I say, you know, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and goes, I want to hire a consultant today. Pretty much, right? That doesn't happen. And most people who are in the B2B services in, in, in these industries don't wake up and say, oh, I really need to talk to a salesperson today for like new, new equipment yeah. or whatever that is. And the opportunity is if salespeople take the approach that there are things you know and there's value in education you can provide as the world is evolving, as there's younger people in the marketplace, um, and think about what would be valuable to them first um, and then how it connects the dots to maybe services you can provide at a later date or down the road. And really be seen as that person providing value that they can build a relationship of trust. Then, hey, how are you going to help me? Right. What services do you have that would make a difference for right. me? Yeah, and some of the most successful salespeople will tell a potential client, you know what, I hear exactly what you need and I'm pretty sure it's not my stuff. Here's what you probably should be looking for. And I'll introduce you to somebody at the, at, you know, the competing company who I used to work with. I think you'll you'll hit it off. It's it's so disarming because to, to be able to step back and offer value mm -hmm. without making a, making money on it, I think really just cements that relationship forever. Absolutely. And uh, I recently gave a referral to a colleague I've known for probably 18 years, and he is his company's based in Europe. And I did a project with them maybe 20, 2010, a long time ago. And then I have another colleague I met through the industry probably seven or eight years ago. And, and recently, one of them reached out to me, and I made an introduction. Um, and, and one's an American company, and one's a European company. And lo and behold, it was a fright. I couldn't help this guy with what this person needed, but I could make the introduction and say, 
you know, you should look at this. And they, they got great software and it really might make a difference for your company. And both of them thanked me. And one of them is here at Printing United. And I ha as I said, I haven't seen him in many years. And, and that to me is how I provide value as a consultant. And it, it's an easy model to really make a difference for sales and for sales leadership. It's true. And again, it's just about creating value and creating friendships at the end of the day because you only work with people you trust and that you like at the end of the day. Even, even if you've got the best product, um, people are only going to buy from people they trust at the end of the day. So true. Yeah. So to sum it up, Lois, in addition to hiring high rock strategies, which would be good for a lot of folks for sure, um, and I'm not even joking about that. You've, you've got a, a really insightful view of, of the entire sales process and beyond. But what are a couple of takeaways that folks that are starting the journey of really empowering and enabling their sales forces, what should they be thinking about as a first step or a second step? As a first step to make sure they've done some strategic planning one-on-one -on -one and in small groups with their sales team to really get clear what's important to that salesperson. What is their motivation? And to and to, to build the trust so that they feel like they can share. You know, because as I said, salespeople are motivated different ways. So, so building that trust and rapport allows people to see that someone else has got my back. And whether it's a sales leader, the owner of the company, the head of the department, division, line of business, you know, depending on the size of the organization. And to understand that culture lives in communication. It doesn't live in a document, it's not on a SharePoint drive. Culture lives in communication every day. And to create alignment and understand that we're all in this together. And leaders and managers in whatever role or whatever operational area they have, have to continually understand it is only in communication that we reinforce a positive culture that we're all in this together. Um, so those are probably my two things. To, to with, People have to look in the mirror. Do you know your sales team's motivation? And have you really done a check on culture? Because even la large successful companies, they'll do employee satisfaction in addition to customer satisfaction, right? And look at how do we enhance? How do we create ways where if we're hiring younger people, that they feel value in the organization and understand their contribution in the vision. So I say, culture wins every day. It's not just making more money, to your point, right? You, you would think a salesperson is going to be driven financially, but that's only a piece of it. Small piece sometimes. Very piece, very small piece, for sure. Well, Lois, this was a great talk today. I, I, I know that people are going to listen to this podcast and uh, take away some value, for sure. But I just want to remind everybody that Lois Rita Rossi is the president of High Rock Strategies, uh, subject matter expert in all things print, for sure, and beyond. And uh, contacting Lois would be a great first step in that sales enablement process, for sure. So thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts and your insights today. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. For me, too. So this is Chris Santamassimo again from the Think Factory podcast, powered by OGC Solutions, and we'll see you next time.